Fellas, it's Jake, your host of Bears Nation Podcast, here to talk to you about Manscaped, new sponsor. You know, who amongst us who has not been trimming, you know, below the belt, down where it matters, and you kind of nick yourself or you got some tugging and you think, all right, we need a better razor here. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. Guys, you're going to be feeling awesome after this. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave, take all the time you need to get all those nooks and crannies. It's also waterproof, so if you prefer to go in the shower and trim, go for it. That's what the waterproof is for. But one of the coolest features is the LED light. It shows you what you're doing, where you're doing it, and you can get a closer, tighter shave. They've also upgraded the trimmer to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget the charging stand. It's sleek and it's USB convenient, so you can charge it anytime without any hassle. If you're listening to me speak right now, which you are because it's the Bears Nation podcast, I want you to experience it firsthand yourself. So time to get trimming. Get 20% off and free shipping with code SHI, C-H-I, at checkout at manscaped.com. You're going to thank me later. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. Welcome back, Bears fans. Another edition of Bears Nation podcast. Bonus content today, myself, Jake Hassan, and Kevin Lapka. Going to do some topics, some hot button topics, a little fact or fiction, some power ranking stuff that Kevin has assembled for us. Uh, because this is usually when we do the recap episode, but obviously we did that already when the Bears played last week on Thursday Night Football. So the preview for this upcoming week will be out later in the week, but we're going to do some bonus content right now. So Kevin, I mean, let's get right to it. You have said you have some stuff written down. Yeah. So we're going to do a uh, kind of where the bears rank on our own personal power rankings right now. Obviously, you know, all the media outlets, they do their power rankings after Monday, after the game. Uh, last night, we're recording this on Tuesday. We had chargers saints. Somehow saints come away with that win because Michael Badgley doinks it. Bears fans familiar with that. And we obviously have this weird Tuesday night game, uh, the Tennessee Titans versus the Buffalo Bills. We First time I think we've ever seen a Tuesday night football game. But we're going to go ahead and do um, these power rankings. And uh, the pressing question is, where are the Bears on these power rankings? Now, I'll tell you, uh, a lot of the other media outlets, ESPN, Bleach Report, you know, they're, they're going to continue to doubt. They've got the Bears at 15, 14, 16, all those respective areas. But, Jake, I'll ask you first, if you were a staff writer, at Bleacher Report, at ESPN, and you were tasked to put the Bears at a specific spot on the power rankings as of today, October 13th, where would you feel comfortable putting them at? So, obviously, 32 teams in the NFL. I mean, I think I think 13, 14 is probably an appropriate spot. Obviously, this team is 4-1, and one, and they have a top-tier defense, but We've talked about on the show, obviously, we're five weeks in. We've talked about on the show the struggles with the offense and the issues there and the quarterback changes and, you know, the issues with Matt Nagy's play calling. So I think 13-14 right there is – I think they're in the upper half of the NFL, but I don't think that they're 
in that top 10 range just yet. I don't think they're in that kind of tier one set of teams yet. So let me ask you a question now, because this this is what I have been preaching, but we all have been preaching for weeks now, even since the beginning of the season, is the value of the defense, right? Look at a team like the Seattle Seahawks, who many have as the number one team in the NFL. They're undefeated. Russell Wilson is the MVP of the league right now. Um, they're playing off the charts offensively, but look what they're doing defensively. They're the worst defense in the league by yards per game. They're letting teams run all over them, shred them all over the place, but yet they're the number one team in the NFL. But you look at the contrary, you look at the Bears, not the greatest offense, but the best defense in the league. I mean, I know this is an offensive league where offense right now is valued more than ever, but I've spoken before about how the Bears defensively can be a mismatch. Why is there such disparity between the Bears at 14 and Seahawks at number one when they both have specific strength on one side of the ball but aren't you know, anywhere near the top of the league in the other side of the ball? Uh, it's because you have the likely or at least the MVP through five weeks and offense sells. Like you said, this is an offensive league. Russell Wilson, the offense sells. I, I think that's just... That's what gets you the clicks. That's what people are going to agree with more. You put the Bears in the top 10, people are going to say, you're crazy, you're nuts, what's going on? And I think, I think it's just more of a disparity, too. I think there's more of a disparity between the Bears' defense and the Bears' offense than the Seahawks' offense and the Seahawks' really? defense. I think a lot – because it's just because – it's because – the, the Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles factor. People are ready to say, oh, well, that offense is so much worse, you know, whereas the Seahawks still have that kind of, they were built on defense, so people still give them the benefit of the doubt. That's fair, but statistically that's not true because, I mean, sure. I'm t- they rank 32nd in defense, the Bears, uh, and number one in offense, but, you know, the Bears rank, I don't know what, like 18th, 19th, 20th on offense and number one in defense. Like, th- there is less of a disparity there but it's just you know I, I I've been saying this all along and I, I think we see this year maybe you know what team in January assuming the Bears get home field advantage um, at some point wants to come to Chicago and face that defense in that weather uh, in this type of environment I mean what team wants to do that because the way I look at it and what I tweeted after you know I, I don't know if you watched that Seahawks Vikings game did you get to catch the end of that I did I did so th- there's no trust in that Seahawks defense to stop an offense to, and I'm not just here trying to bash the Seahawks. I'm just saying, you know, in these types of situations, the offensive shootouts and the offensive attacks can only go so far once it comes crunch time, once it comes playoffs, when you need, you know, four minutes left of the game and you look at the Chiefs, what the Chiefs did in the Super Bowl, you know, not only was it Patrick Holmes coming back, they needed their defense to make a stop. When you need your defense to make a stop, you know, I think the Bears can do that evidently better than anyone. They're the best red zone defense in the NFL. They're the best fourth, second best fourth quarter team in the NFL from a defensive standpoint. What team wants to run into the Bears in the playoffs, you know, hoping to put up 30 points on a team in January? Well, none. That's the, I mean, that's what you talked about in every single Bears playoff team in history, that you never want to <laughs> – nobody wants to come to Chicago. And, you know, especially with the way that Khalil Mack has been playing, the way that Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks have been playing, that, that defense is back. This isn't last year's defense. They're playing way better. And, of course, you add in Jalen Johnson into that factor. Um, no, nobody does. I mean, there is no team – I mean, maybe, maybe – like, I mean, there's no NFC team. I mean, you could say maybe the Chiefs because it's a similar <laughs> weather. But, yeah, I mean, there's nobody that wants to come to Chicago. There's no one that wants to deal with those conditions. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the Bears get a huge home field advantage. But, I mean, we're still 17, 18 weeks away from that happening. You know, we got to get there first. Yeah. Absolutely got to get there first. Um, I think we would agree that they're on their way at 4-1. and one. It'd be 
pretty dang tough to miss the playoffs. Um, that, that would that would be hard to do. Now it's a question of whether they'll get that number one uh, seed in the division or not, or, or wherever they'll end up seeding wise. Um, but I just you know Max Kellerman was on first take the other day says he believes the Bears are true Super Bowl candidates. And I know a lot of people, probably including yourself, probably including Chris Nano, um, you know who's not with us today, would say that they're not quite there yet. Um, but you know I've always been on the side that all they needed was an average offense, and right now they're getting average offense. I mean they're getting under average offense, and they're four and one. I mean we've already talked last week about the potential that they can reach and how good this t- team can be just if they're you know around 15th in the league in offense. So Max Kellerman says the Bears are a Super Bowl candidates. I know you have them at 13th in your power rankings, but would you agree with that statement that there is a legitimate chance this team can actually make a Super Bowl run? Oh, absolutely. Every time you start 4-1, obviously you're in a strong point for the playoffs. And like you said, you're at a strong point for home field advantage. And like we said, this defense is a top two defense, top three defense, and arguably they're not two or three. So yeah, of course, that's always going to give you a chance. And if we get the offense that we saw in the second half of the Atlanta game, or if we saw in the fourth quarter or in the, excuse me, the second quarter of the Buccaneers game, then yeah, you're looking pretty, but It's just a matter of I need to see it. So, you know, this week against Carolina is a good test to see that. Uh, The upcoming games, like we've talked about in previous weeks on the show, you have a decent schedule coming up where you can take advantage and get your offense rolling to a point. Uh, I would like to see Nick Foles continue to get more comfortable, and I would like to see the running game maybe gain some traction. But I need to see it first. I'm not ready to say, yeah, they're Super Bowl contenders, but they are absolutely playoff contenders. And as we know, anything can happen when you get to the playoffs, as the Tennessee Titans showed us last year. Absolutely. I mean, those kind of magical runs happen all the time. Um, you know, you have a lot of people who ask us as Bears fans, well, why do you think you're, they're Super Bowl candidates, but no one else does? You know, why are you biased or all this and that? And I really don't think it's biased. I really just think it's Bears understand that the Bears fans, rather, and Bears media understand that um, <clears throat> the Bears way of winning is unconventional and the rest of the league can't figure that out. They can't figure that out. They, you know, Bears fans for years, for decades have been used to this style of winning. You play average offense and you win with exceptional defense. And in this day and age of NFL offenses, it's harder for people to understand that that is a potential way to win, but clearly it is. So as Bears fans, you know, entering the season, we knew the offense wasn't going to be special. We knew if they were going to make the playoffs, it was going to be because they would have a top three defense. And that's exactly what we're staring at right now. It's an unconventional way of winning in this day and age of the NFL. But as Bears fans, we're used to it. And quite frankly, it's it's working. And really, we haven't seen the scoring aspect from the defense either. I mean, you haven't seen Eddie Jackson take one back. You haven't seen Jalen Johnson take one back. So absolutely, like right now you're relying on this under average slash average offense to score you points. And they're still figuring each other out. You know, Nick Foles, I still believe, is getting comfortable. He's had one, two full starts now. Uh, so I think, like I said, the Panthers, and then you have the Rams who have beat up on lesser defenses. So I don't think the Rams are as good as they seem either. So yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of finding your groove and getting in a groove here. And then and then once you get to the Titans and the Vikings, well, the Vikings are bad too, but once you get to that upper echelon of competition, then you got to hopefully be in a groove there. And Jake, I will say I, I am really starting to agree with you about Nick Foles. I really am. I've, I've been doing more research and kind of looking into it. And, and, and you know, I was wrong. I mean, I, I really do think that he does give the Bears a legitimate chance because of 
once you get down the stretch, his familiarity with the moment, I think, is going to be the most important thing. Once come playoff time, and, you know, knock on wood, assuming they make the playoffs, I mean, that, that's that's really where it all what it all comes down to. I mean, you're right now in a prime, like you said, prime position to be in that position to make the playoffs, whether you're underdog or not. You know, Nick Foles is familiar uh, with those types of situations, and he's excelled in those moments. Um, but also, you know, like we've been saying about the average offense, I mean, I, I, you know, I was reluctant to say after the game against Atlanta that Nick Foles, you know, just needed time with the offense, he needed timing with the receivers. But I think I'm willing to admit that that might have been a factor uh, or against Indianapolis, rather. It might have been a factor in the way he played and the way the offense played. Uh, against Indianapolis but you know switching gears right now there is potentially a player available who can help this offense and anytime a player is on the trade block Bears Twitter gets to gets after it with their Twitter thumbs and and throws out all the scenarios and whether the Bears should go after them or not and it doesn't happen 99% of the time but you know we love offensive players we would love to have one of them come to the Bears Le'Veon Bell is apparently on the trade block and what we kind of talked about in our group chat and, and look, I know Olavion Bell isn't the most attractive player right now because he hasn't been producing. But if all, if anything, that's a good thing because, he's at, like we said, he's at the lowest price that you would be able to get him at, at his, his whole career. This is the lowest possible price. And we talked about a guy. Look, the Jets have no receivers. A guy who's not really producing for the Bears right now uh, is Anthony Miller, I would say. Le'Veon Bell for Anthony Miller in a fifth rounder. Would you do that if that opportunity presented itself? Yeah, I mean, I think you do that. Um, you know, you have the out, like we talked about in our group chat. You have the out after 2021, I believe it was. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a long-term commitment. But also, I kind of don't like the idea of bringing in such a big presence to this offense when you are still trying to figure each other out, when you still have yeah. said explicitly multiple times as the coaching staff, we're committed to David Montgomery. He's going to be our bell cow. we got to get him his reps. Um, I just think adding that big of a new element – isn't really conducive to the success that you're trying to find right now. I I think if this was last year or the year before, I think you say, yeah, you do that. But I think currently in the current climate that the bears are in right now, I think that's something that if the price is right enough and then maybe you, if it's just something you can't pass up, if you're Ryan pace, then sure. But I think at that current price, I think it would just be tinkering too much. You have a good thing. You're four and one, just let the offense gel and see where it takes you. And there's always the argument that, you know, we've had the past two years as well is, you know, obviously you look at the rushing numbers for the Bears and that's the reasoning as to why people want Le'Veon Bell is, oh, 10 rushes for 34 yards, not getting it done. But, you know, what would the numbers be different? behind that offensive line and you look at what is the key issue there is it the offensive line is it the rusher um and you know they signed Lamar Miller maybe he's the solution but Le'Veon Bell I mean you know I think the most important thing is he's a pass catcher as well and so is Dave Montgomery I mean Dave Montgomery as we saw against Tampa Bay is an incredible pass catcher maybe one of the biggest plays of the game as a pass catcher um but you know as far as Anthony Miller goes you know we don't hate Anthony Miller on this podcast if you guys have been listening Chris Nano is the ultimate Anthony Miller guy um but right now i mean i i would argue that he he's simply not doing enough i mean and like we mentioned no real progression um of his career since his rookie year uh really he's been kind of putting up the same types of numbers the same inconsistency we've seen um so i'll ask you before we move on to factor fiction you know do you expect anthony miller to turn things up or is just really just the reality of his time with the bears 
Yeah, it's hard to get a read on him. Uh, like you said, he hasn't really lived up to expectations. But also last year, we saw you know in the last six, seven weeks where he went crazy and he's showed that number one receiver type upside. So it just depends. I, I really don't know. It looks like Darnell Mooney is turning into that guy that they really like. But I would love Anthony Miller to capitalize. I just think that, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think that once the offense starts coming together more, maybe we'll see more of him. But, yeah, as of right now, he's his current output is just not doing it. And I think last year there were a few trade rumors around Anthony Miller, I believe, right? I'm not crazy for it, right? I mean, I, I think I remember that. No, there for sure. There absolutely were. I, I remember that being a thing. Uh, maybe the Bears trying to get some value back for that mm-hmm. second round pick, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you just got to write it out. You got to write it out, but I know, I mean, I know, you know, those rumors will be back around once trade oh, deadline no, comes. Of course, I, mean, yeah, uh, I, I mean, for a guy like that, you know, th- they will be there. But let's go to factor fiction here. I got a, I got a few fun ones here. Um, the first one we're going to do, actually, while we're talking about the receiver room, is regarding one guy who's been a healthy scratch for the first five weeks. He was a fourth-round pick. No one can figure him out. We're obviously talking about Riley Ridley. Um Factor fiction, Jake, Riley Ridley starts at least one game this season. I'm going to go fact just because injuries and everything. I think I think he runs into at least one. Yeah. You know, but it's so weird. I mean, why? You know, if you're saying fact now, like why hasn't it happened the, the first five weeks? And, and um, last year we saw, you know, the reason I think you, the fact could be true as well is, you know, you saw them down the stretch make him a starter. And he was actually effective against the Minnesota Vikings in the last game of the year. Um, but you, you know, you don't, you don't want just one week of excellence and then out on to 2021 and see what he can do then. I mean, this guy was supposed to be a role player and you watch receivers from around the league. Hell you watch Darnell Mooney who was a fifth rounder in his rookie year, making plays. You know, I, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's unexplainable in my opinion. It's really unexplainable. And we're not, I mean, what is Javon Wims doing, Jake? I mean, come on. Yeah. What, what is Javon Wims doing? I mean, it, it's just to me unjustifiable for him to continue to sit on the bench. Um, but I, I mean, I, as much as I would love to say fact, what reason do I have to believe that it's going to be fact? Sure. No, it's definitely concerning that he hasn't been able to beat out Ted Ginn Jr. or Javon Wims. Like that is concerning. Absolutely. Uh, so either he's not showing enough in practice to warrant Matt Nagy's trust or something. I don't know. Maybe it is just he's not getting the system as he was last year. Maybe he's not ready for that, you know, level 200 course, as Matt Nagy likes to put it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's concerning for sure. He used a fourth-round pick. This isn't a guy who was a third. This wasn't Javon Wims, a seventh-round pick, a throwaway pick that you were just hoping to strike with. This was a guy you expected to have a role, and he hasn't lived up to it. So, I, yeah, I mean, and, and part of my saying fact is you hope that there's some kind of progression either in practice. But, yeah, I mean, I think most likely you see an injury to Ted Ginn or somebody or maybe or who knows, maybe Ted Ginn and Javon Wims aren't doing it in practice either, and Riley Ridley gets that shot. Who knows? Um you know, maybe you hope that it's just there is a little bit of his older brother, Kelvin, in there somewhere. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think we're going to see it for uh, at least a few weeks. There better be a little bit of his older brother, Calvin, because Calvin's looking like one of the best receivers in the NFL right now. So. Yeah, he, yeah, he is. <laughs> that Ridley blood better uh, be strong there in Riley, and hopefully we'll see that uh, in, in the coming weeks. But let's go with a fun one here. Khalil Mack burst onto the scene um and he's back uh, you know i don't know what again why people ever thought he left but he's back and all of a sudden you know the national media is talking about him again finally um and i and i think you know after a, i would i would say a relatively slow first four weeks just from pure 
you know, statistic standpoints, obviously the stat numbers, you know what I mean? Um, fact or fiction, Khalil Mack wins the defensive MVP award. <sighs> it's, it's a hard one to say fact concretely, but at sure, least is it yeah. a possibility? In a world where Aaron Donald exists, it's always hard <laughs> to say fact on that. But uh, if this Bears defense continues to be top two, top three in the league, uh, and even top one, if they end the year as a top defense in the league, and I think if Cleo Mack continues to play the way he did Thursday night against Tampa Bay, I think he'll absolutely get it. Even if he doesn't play up to that level where he's throwing guys down with one arm, I, I think that he will. I think if this Bears defense keeps up, he will be a benefactor of that. What I always remind people is the award is not best defensive player. It's the most valuable defensive player. Look at Stephon Gilmore last year. The reason he won the defensive MVP award is because the Patriots were, you know, the best defense than the year before when Aaron Donald won it. Not only was he the best defensive player, they also had one of the better defenses in the league uh, that year as well. But this year, the Rams defense, they're they're not really, I mean, they're top 10, but they're not anywhere near the Bears level um, right now. So I think, like you mentioned, if the Bears uh, defense continues to, you know, just harass people and and just be as stifling as they are, then Cleo Mack for sure not only should be in the conversation, but, you know, should win it, assuming his sack numbers get up to what we're expected um, for Khalil Mack. Let's go with our final factor fiction as the Minnesota Vikings, like I mentioned, lost to the Seattle Seahawks. They're now one and four. Uh, I predicted them to finish last in the in the division at the beginning of the year. I think you and Chris also, um, you know, were also tempering their expectations about them just because of, you know, what they got rid of. And although some of the rookies are producing, Justin Jefferson is an absolute beast right now. Um, you know, you, you can't expect a whole bunch of rookies to lead a team to the playoffs. So fact or fiction, the Vikings turn it around somehow, some way and make the playoffs. I'm going to go with fiction. I think there is a very, this is a very deep hole to come back from. And I think with the competition, the NFC that you're seeing right now, uh, you know, with the emergence of the Arizona Cardinals, and now you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being in a spot to compete. um, There's a lot of unexpected teams there. And I think the, I think the San Francisco 49ers will turn it around at some point. That defense is far too talented. And by turn around, I mean like eight and eight, nine and seven, but I think in competition for a playoff spot, um, and I think the Vikings really, I think this year they've dug themselves such a hole. Uh, and now if Dalvin Cook most misses any time, that yeah. puts them even farther behind. I think this is a seven or eight win team. I, I mean, I they they could be a six win team the way it's yeah. going now. I mean, well, right. I, mean I, I think turn it around for them would be even 500. Yeah. And, and you know, it's it's sad for Vikings fans to, to hear that reality, but that's the way it is. I mean, like you mentioned, the NFC could have three playoff, uh, NFC West, sorry, could have three playoff teams in the in the Seahawks, Cardinals, and potentially 49ers if they turn it around. I'm not so sure because of the way Jimmy Garoppolo is playing uh, sure. and the injuries that they're facing, um, but it, it's, you know, whew, the Vikings, man, one and four, the Lions uh, also, you know, who many thought would, I, I believe Will Brinson, CBS writer, thought the Lions would somehow end up first in the division. That there, there's no scenario where that happens, and, and the Packers, quite frankly, still look like a good team um, yep. right now. I don't. There's, there's just to me no opportunity. And we all know how good the Bears are against the Vikings. I mean, they haven't lost to the Vikings right. in two years. That you, you, you could almost chalk up two losses for the Vikings in that regard. That puts them at one and six. They'll probably lose to the Packers twice. That's one and eight. And then where you're going at from there. So. Um, <clears throat> 
bottom line, as we wrap it up here, you know, I, I think the Bears are a top 10 football team. I had them number seven in my power rankings. I think they're a scary mismatch. I think they're one of the scarier teams in the NFL. They're unconventional. They're different. Um, they're, they're not what you would expect out of today's NFL. But, you know, as Bears fans, Chicago football, I mean, this is Chicago style football. And you're in a prime, prime position here um, to, to lead your team in the playoffs. And, and once you're there, you have a defense and a guy at the helm who has done it before. So as Bears fans, I mean, I, I really don't think you could be any happier than what you are right now. Yeah, and I'd be totally willing to move this team up in my power rankings in a couple weeks. I mean, they have the Panthers, who are a beatable team, albeit a team that's been playing better. The Rams, I don't think, have beat anyone super scary. That'll be on Monday Night Football. And then you have the Saints, who we just saw should have lost to the Chargers, and the Saints have been pretty bad this year. Uh, Drew Brees does not look good. So, yeah, I mean, the next three weeks, I mean, three weeks from now, we could be saying that this team, I'd firmly be talking about them as a, as a top five team if they take care of business. And like you said, they do have the opportunity to do that. So we'll be hitting you guys with the preview episode for the Carolina Panthers game around Thursday, Friday. So be on the lookout for that. Hope you guys enjoyed this little episode with Jake and I here. It'll be posted to our YouTube as well. Make sure to check that out. And um, you have, I believe, somewhere around 10 days left to use code SHY uh, in the Manscaped shop to get 20% off and free shipping on all of your Manscaped orders. Man, I've been using their stuff and it is fantastic. Um, I, I can assure you that. So you don't want to miss out on that. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in. Jake, you got anything else? Nope. See you for the preview episode. All right, man. Take care. Bear down. All right.